big sky, big potential. In association with Mills and Reeve, this is Eastern Promise. Achieving more together. Welcome to episode 76 of the Eastern Promise podcast, sharing the full potential of the East of England in science and technology, energy and creativity within our region and all across the world. The pressure for more laboratory space in Cambridge is well known. The Greater Cambridge Planning Portal is bursting with applications for conversions of various premises into labs. Whilst the government's Cambridge 2040 plan has proposed new R&D space and a quarter of a million houses, could the wider region offer Cambridge a better, greener and more cost-effective solution? Eastern Promise convened two expert roundtables to find out. And finally, whether you buy from a fixed kiosk, mobile shop or trestle table, tell me about the market that meets your needs in another crowd sorcery. Ironically, whilst Cambridge aims to be the best small city in the world, it represents opportunity and potential so massive it defies cliché. The government recognises this potential and announced its Cambridge 2040 plan for new R&D space alongside a quarter of a million new homes earlier this year. There was, it's fair to say, a decidedly mixed reaction. But that got me thinking. What if there's a better way? Whilst labs naturally want to cluster in Cambridge, could much of the housing the city really needs, along with new locations for the warehousing, offices and advanced manufacturing that's being displaced from Cambridge, be accommodated elsewhere in the east of England? Is there, in short, a way to support growth in Cambridge so that everybody wins? Eastern Promise thinks there is, and that part of the Cambridge-Norwich Tech Corridor in the Norfolk Brex from Attleborough through Snetterton and down to Thetford has the unique potential to deliver a sustainable win-win. And so, with the support of Breckland Council, we convened two expert roundtables to explore this in more detail. First up, my panel and I discuss the needs of Cambridge and the strategic opportunity at hand. We are indebted to the fantastic people at Breckland Council for providing us the Kingfisher Room, where a wonderful group of people who are going to mould and shape this really exciting discussion are now sitting. And I'll ask them all to introduce themselves in a minute. This is going to be the first of two panels. And what we're here to do is to look at what I believe, and Eastern Promise believes, is the huge potential of a specific slice of Norfolk geography 
to support growth in Cambridge. And we've got some really knowledgeable players who we're honoured to have around the table to help us do that. Just for those who don't know, Eastern Promise is a community interest company. This podcast is our main way of communicating with people both in this region and around the world. Outside England, our, our main market, believe it or not, is Virginia in the United States. Hello, Virginia. We believe that there has never been a better time than this to be, to work, to live in the east of England. We've got life sciences, we've got renewable energy, we've got creative industries absolutely firing on all cylinders. This is a wonderful place to be. So without further ado, I will ask the panel to start introducing themselves for this first panel, starting with Rob. Yes, thank you, Mike. Yes, Rob Hockwood. I'm a partner in the planning team at Bidwells in Cambridge and have been a town planner for about 35, 36 years. So I've seen a lot of uh, plans come and go, but I'm heavily involved uh, in the Oxford to Cambridge growth corridor and have been for many years, in fact, since 1995. And I've seen a lot of changes in more recent years for the positive, and hopefully I can bring some of that information to help with considerations in this area. That's fantastic. Chris. Hi, I'm Chris Starkey. I'm the Director of Growth and Investment at Norfolk County Council. Uh, so my work covers skills, uh, economic growth, inward investment and also infrastructure development. And uh, for a number of years, uh, I've been uh, part of a team uh, looking at and trying to maximise the potential of uh, the links between Cambridge and Norwich. Sarah. Thank you. I'm Sarah Suggett, the Deputy Leader of Breckland Council, and I also live live and work in Breckland. Fantastic. Matt. Hi, so I'm Matt Samways. I'm the MD of a company called Anuti, which is a design, engineering and architecture firm, which has been established in the, in the science and tech market for 50 years. Our experience is mainly with corporates, so global pharma and global corporates, so more on a, you know, a wider scale than just this region, but obviously you know, do a lot of work in the, in the triangle, or the, as we refer to it. Also a director of a, of a separate company, um, Tion, which uh, designs and manufactures fume hoods and fume extraction, which goes into primarily uh, wet chemistry and laboratory buildings. Um, We've seen a lot of change in the last, uh, since March 2020. And uh, that change uh, brought on obviously by the pandemic has, has shifted uh, the real estate landscape, both from a workspace perspective and is having an enormous effect on, you know, we're, we're, we're badging it life science, but it's, it's not just per se life science, it's the science and tech market that we refer to, which is creating a number of opportunities you know, on, on, a, on a wider scale, but more on that later, I guess. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because as Breckland is, as anyone who's walked through these uh, corridors will know, has really sort of embraced that and is a really uh, created, if I may say so, a really positive workspace out there um, for people to enjoy. I'd just like at this point to ask Engineer 49 over in the corner to grab his boom mic because I'm going to ask, there are two people who, won't, who are sort of going to be part of the second panel who are listening intently to what we're saying. And they are Anna. Hi, Mike. Uh, I'm Anna Aldis, a Principal Associate at Mills and Reeve. I'm a real estate development lawyer and I specialise in predominantly large scale mixed use schemes. So the kind of urban extensions uh, we'll hopefully be talking about today. MNR has offices in Norwich and Cambridge. So this is a topic really close to our hearts and something that we're really passionate about in seeing growth in the eastern area. Excellent. And Paul. Good morning. Paul Downing here from Sneston Park, uh, the former Sunday market along the A11. 
and we purchased the site in June 2017 and we're now working to roll out development of the site. It's a 65 acre site um, into a thriving uh, business park. And listening to us silently also is Andrew Holdsworth, Assistant Director of Growth from Breckland Council. But we won't ask him to, to chip in at this point. Well, let's, let's, get, let's get things underway. Sarah, first of all, can I ask you to give, for those who aren't familiar with the, the site of geography we're, we're talking about, so really from Attleborough, on that A11 stretch down to Thetford and where the, the, the roundabout kind of transfers you from Norfolk into Suffolk. Could you just give us a, a very brief pen picture, if you would, of, of that area? Yeah, of course. We've got 500 square miles of Breckland as a, as a district council. We've got some of the most beautiful rural landscapes and five of the most wonderful market towns, two of which we're really lucky to have in the area what you've just suggested along that Cambridge-Norwich Tech Corridor. We're really proud that Thetford is the gateway into Norfolk and we'd like to see that opportunity monopolised between Thetford, Snetterton, Attleborough. We've got some great potential. As Paul said, we've got about 150 acres of space available for businesses to come in and to grow between Attleborough and Thetford. We've got two urban extensions that have got planning permission with around 10,000 new homes within the next five to 20 years being, being scaled out. It's a really lovely place to be. We've got Thetford Forest on our doorstep. We've got some lovely cultural heritage assets around where, around where we live. So that work-life balance is, is something which we can really capture. That, that section of the A11, I think, is a really great potential for us all to monopolise. Absolutely. I interviewed Sam uh, Chapman Allen, the, the leader of Breckland, about Thetford and took a walk with the then manager of the Greater Thetford Partnership along the river, looking at all the, you know, the really fantastic sites of, of potential of heritage in Thetford. But one of the things that I think is, is striking about that particular slice of, of Norfolk geography is the fact that it is connected to Cambridge directly by rail yeah. as well as road. But this isn't just a discussion about Norfolk. It's also a discussion about Cambridge, what Cambridge wants, what Cambridge needs. And at this point, I'm going to bring in Rob and ask us to give us give us an, an idea of where it, it's been all over the news. Related. We've got the Cambridge 2040 plan coming out from the government. Where is Cambridge today and where's those points of need that need to be fulfilled? Yeah, that's a very big question, Mike, but I can sort of try and summarise it uh, over the last few years of what's been going on. I mean, obviously, Cambridge has got some unique selling points of its own in itself. A world-leading university uh, in the top three in the world over the last 10 years. We've got the University Hospital at Addenbrooke's. We've got the biomedical campus and obviously all the other science campuses in what we call the Southern Cluster which is to the south of Cambridge. That's Hinkston, the Genome Project, Granter Park and Babram Research uh, Campus. Obviously, the Science Park on the north side of Cambridge is almost full uh, and there's need to, to be, go beyond that. But that's Cambridge in itself and why uh, that's a great place to be. We've got to watch about the quality of life, but talk of big plans go beyond the bounds of, of the town. So... We're looking at the bigger picture with Michael Gove's recent announcements to it would be quadrupling the size of Cambridge if you did looked at the geography. So what I'm trying to do is bring my knowledge and our company's knowledge from the Oxford to Cambridge corridor work we've done over the last 10, 15 years and see what we can learn from that and how Norfolk can benefit from it. And I, what I would say is essentially Norfolk should not try and compete with Cambridge, but complement what Cambridge Absolutely. is doing. Because 
you can't really compete with it because the world's investors want to be in the thick of Cambridge and on the edge of Cambridge because clustering of ideas, innovation, science and tech has to be very close together. So, you know, we don't look at, you shouldn't look at the weaknesses of the air and try and improve the weaknesses. Look at the strengths of what you've got. And I'm not just thinking about Breckland here. You need to talk to your neighbours because we're talking about a corridor between Cambridge and Norwich. And of course, there's a couple of authorities that cross that. There's been some problems with politics, but obviously things go on in spite of politics. And a lot of private sector companies, institutions, academia, all work together and collaborate to get things done. Um, and what I refer to that is what we call the triple helix, which is academia, private sector and public sector institutions working very closely together uh, to actually deliver things on the ground. So looking slightly wider than Breckland, I like the idea of the string because obviously A11 and the railway stations, Thetford's exactly halfway between Cambridge and Norwich geographically. And you've got Attleborough, Snetterton, I think, has got great potential. I'll say no more at this stage. I'm all about collaboration. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think it was supremely possible. I mean, dangerous of repeating the trick I've seen many an MP do is saying the words, it must be possible in a very blithe, easy way, whereas it's, it's, it's not always easy, but I, I come back to, I think it is possible to craft that win-win scenario where everybody, if we, if we get it, if it's possible to get it right, I admit I have absolutely no power other than a, whatever the opposite of a bully pulpit is to, to just to inspire and to convene. But Matt, can I ask you to reflect on, on not only on what Rob said, but also talk about your experience of the, the Cambridge space and what you feel it needs. And then I'm going to ask Chris to sort of jump in with what can we, what can Norfolk offer? You know, I think uh, you know, as real estate professionals, which, you know, many of us in this room are, there isn't that link necessarily like you'd think between rental growth in our building and, you know, the ability of a building to deliver a laboratory space, for example, and the location. So the location is 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 number one and it always has always has been. So I think the, the, the question really that we should probably debate or, or think about is, OK, so what where could those uh, organisations come from? that might need what Snetterton, uh, Setford and, and the areas around there has to deliver. So you've mentioned clustering um, and you're never going to, you know, never going to get away from that. But what about people that, you know, maybe are in the, you know, the, the clean tech manufacturing or, you know, the next size up in terms of their growth or R&D sector companies that maybe now are branching out into small scale manufacturing, things like that. That might be an obvious kind of sector to go and have a look at and do some exploration around. So we debate internally in our own organization a lot around the buzzwords floating around the market right now, life science being one of them. Um, the demand is actually coming from um, all, all sorts of different industry sectors. It's coming from, broadly speaking, energy security. Mm. So hydrogen technologies, it's coming from battery material um, you know, people that are exploring things around how do we uh, achieve energy security as a, as a, as an economy, um, and food security is 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 another thing. You know, we built a pilot plant last year for Novel Food Company who are exploring growing meat in tanks. You know, it's completely uh, you know different um, I think, technology. Yeah. I can just hear you know. Hopefully, Clark Willis. Um, 
of uh, the Food Enterprise Park is listening to this and his eyes will, 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 will light up at that. And I should just say, if there's anybody listening who says, well, why am I part, you know, why can't I, why couldn't I come along today? Why couldn't I be part of this discussion? I absolutely hope this is not the beginning and end of it. And I'd like to do this again and again and again with as many stakeholders as, as, as want to come and, and be positive. But Chris, let me bring you in at this point and you're furiously making notes, which is always a good sign. Just reflect on what you've heard and, and where, where Norfolk is, and then hopefully we can sort of kick off a, a discussion that we can... <laughs> well, where Norfolk is, I mean, it has an incredible, diverse range of sectors, world-leading expertise, um, and I think in a way that complements Cambridge's offer. Uh, there are things that are being developed in Norwich, uh, along the corridor, along and on, on the coast, uh, which actually are um, sort of practical... Uh, examples of uh, of exactly what just been discussed. So, energy sector, the biggest number of cluster of companies and so on in the energy sector is um, is on the east coast and in in Norwich. Hydrogen, electric powered vehicles, and so on are, are being tested. Food security, Norfolk's uh, biggest producer of food in in the country, and so on, uh, and and ICT digital. So, so I think um, uh, Norfolk actually has a lot to offer Cambridge. I think there's a um, there's a belief to an extent that Cambridge is the sun and all the all the all the planets revolve around Cambridge. Uh, I'd suggest that the world isn't quite as if you pop out if you're not in Cambridge, the world doesn't feel quite like that. No. Um, the orientation's slightly different, and I and I think uh, you know there's 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 big opportunities for, in particular, the research institutes in in and around Norwich. Uh, and Cambridge, they're already collaborating in terms of, uh, of food security, the research scientists on the Norwich Research Park, the Norwich University Hospital is actually a bigger hospital than Addenbrooke's. It has more patient beds and so on than Addenbrooke's and so on. So the scale of uh, of what Norwich has got to offer is sometimes sometimes perhaps a little bit under uh, overlooked, and that that's why the corridor then is such an exciting concept because if you're Thetford, you are bang in the middle. And a shout out to our Virginia listeners. Of course, that's where Thomas Paine uh, is, is from. So um, keeping it relevant to our uh, American listeners. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so our, and, and I think there's something that, 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 that worth, worth exploring further is what are the things that Cambridge doesn't have the space to do? And I think you're right in terms of tech manufacturing. There's some really interesting uh, advanced uh, engineering companies in Thetford. It's actually um, what it's best known for um, and along along the corridor as well that I think can pr probably produce the manufacturing solutions to the kind of bright ideas that are coming out of the labs in Cambridge. So there's some absolute um, uh, crossover and synergy. And in the same way as the, some of the bright ideas that are coming out of the labs in Norwich, where do they get, where do those ideas get manufactured? Um, and certainly there's, there's more of a trend, I think, now to bring manufacture onshore back to the UK, uh, particularly... Um, sort of the the stage beyond prototyping and so on. So I think there's a huge um, uh, a, a huge kind of if there's a Venn diagram, a kind of sweet spot there. Exactly, exactly the right words. And I I took a a, a listener who uh, um, Dr. Tammy Dugan, who is life science and healthcare partnerships lead at Cambridge University, 
with me on a tour and a recording around the Quadrum Institute on the Norwich Research Park, and she was absolutely blown away. Um, the slightly worrying phrase is, I did not know this was here. So obviously there's a, there's, there is a job of work to do, for us all to do there. And But it was great to introduce her to Ros Bird and that put them in contact. There, it, it is my mission. I am here to do that. Here you are. Your USP so, is to bring those people together. I mean, I think Chris, Chris was slightly hinting at this, and, and forgive me, Chris, if I've got you wrong, but Sarah, I mean, what to what extent is someone like Breckland able to, I, I don't want to use the word politically, but it's in there anyway, explore these these opportunities in, in, in a way that, 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 that is like, yes, we are open to this collaboration with Cambridge and crafting that win-win. I mean, we're already home to Baxter Healthcare, the, the global medical uh, devices manufacturer in, in Thetford, Multimatic, the global engineering company in Thetford, you know, they're already there, you know, and like you were saying about the size and scale of what, what they're after, that is something what they've made Thetford their home because it has that potential for them to have been able uh, to grow. Thetford has always been a manufacturing um, town. Um, it's now a, a modern manufacturing um, town. And we're proud to be able to, to help facilitate some of those conversations, what need to be had. But actually, once we've been able to get those, those people in a room and spaces like this, you know, the, the business families are really taking care of themselves. You know, as a district council, we've got to be really mindful. We're looking after taxpayers' money. We shouldn't be using that willy-nilly to be going out doing stuff. Well, actually, grown-up conversations can be had without us having to be the person that triggers us all of the time. But we're really proud to, to support those businesses, to take a pragmatic view when they come to us with a planning application, for example, with growth, scalability, so those those are the types of things that I think we we can offer as as a district as a council. You know we've got the likes of of Andrew's team out there having those really good connections. One of the outcomes from from COVID, which um, we all would rather have not had to have gone through, but it really gave us the opportunity to get out there and to understand what our businesses, who they were, what they were doing, what their challenges, what their opportunities were. As district councils, you know, it was our responsibility to go out there and get those loans to support those to support those businesses. And we're really proud to have a huge amount of small and medium-sized businesses out there which can support, you know, the, the, what, what it is that we've been talking about today. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And Rob... Could I just ask you to bring sort of your, your first of all, your Oxcamark knowledge in at this point? And on the one hand, what would you recommend, I suppose? And then I'm going to sort of ask, ask, ask Matt to come in as well and reflect on that. But on the other, in terms of housing, mm. I don't think I've had a, a high-level conversation in the Cambridge ecosystem with someone who's not said, I live in Norfolk, I live in Suffolk, I live in Essex. So... Is there an offer that Cambridge professionals are looking for? Because I, I have huge faith and belief in the potential of particularly Thetford, that historic town centre, Three Nuns Bridge is beautiful, the Castle Mound, you've got the riverside with this, this really great little cinema. Yeah, for my, yeah, that's an easy one, isn't it, that uh, subject matter. But, I mean, cut it, to, to summarise it and be quite brief about it, there's a issues, very big issues in Cambridge about housing. It's all about the balance between homes and jobs. And of course, there's always more jobs than homes in Cambridge. That's the beauty of Cambridge. But that means people have to commute in. And we have massive problems, even after lockdown. It's going back to the old ways of 
peak hour traffic. So people are traveling longer and longer to get into work. So, you know, the local politicians and the local plan review that's going on between Cambridge and South Cambridge called the Greater Cambridge Local Plan is grappling with this. So we have to get the right scale of housing in the right location. Affordable housing is the key. Uh, it's, there's never enough because the workers that work in these campuses, not just the scientists, but the cleaners, the caterers, the maintenance people, they have to live somewhere. So affordable housing is the big issue. Now, Thetford is a big town on that corridor relatively to others. There's been a quite a lot of housing planned there in the past uh, to get people from Thetford into Cambridge cheaply and efficiently is the key because we've got a green belt around Cambridge that's being looked at and scrutinised really closely at the moment with Michael Gove's announcement. Do we break into that or do we jump beyond it? If you jump beyond it, you've got commuting. So we've got to get people in cheaply, efficiently, quickly from what we call the necklace towns. And I would include Mildenhall, which is obviously West Suffolk, and Thetford in that discussion. Um, so the local plan, which is going to go to 2046, you know, we've got a massive opportunity here. We're early start of the review. A big discussion needs to take place about that. What does Thetford, what's its role going to be and how will it manage that growth? Mm, absolutely. And Matt, I know in UT have looked, and we talked about this earlier, um, at working from home and the hybrid working model. Now, it seems to me that to have somewhere that's got fantastic natural resources, Thetford Forest, any number of, sort of country parks up and down up and down the route, and you've got modern up-to-date housing, a river, etc. That's the but you're still within easy reach of Cambridge on the train, and if you so wish to drive, but we obviously encourage train you to use the train. What where, where does that sit in the in the in the work you've done and how how does that sort of relate? I think if we just zoom out ever so slightly, COVID nineteen has shifted the landscape in terms of you know recruitment uh talent you know how how the workspace operates for most people and that affects every sector that's the that's the one commonality we've got in terms of attracting growth to to a region that's not my field of expertise but i'd say can is there a way to plug in and listen to what the a where is the demand coming from what which companies, you know, could we tap into to understand their growth plans and, and some of the demand? You know, so there's, there's a muted million square feet of unpositioned um, space in, in Cambridge right, right now. You know, can we plug in to some of that? Can we identify the right organisations that might, you know, be tempted? And then what everyone wants, they, they, they want an ecosystem, right? So, uh, you know, a, a, a scientist uh, working in a lab building still has to live somewhere, still has to eat, still has to, you know, go out and be, want, they want the social spaces. And you see this where, you know, the parks around Cambridge, those that have done it really, really well, they're thriving and they get people in and it, it's like a, you know, it, it's absolutely pumping. And you take parks in Cambridge even that haven't got the amenities quite right, and they can't get the footfall. So if we just zoom out to this area we're discussing, you know, this 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 region, can we take some learnings from that? You know, can we can we, you know, are the amenities here to get people, you know, to actually relocate or or to put their businesses there? 
and the commuting thing, I, I can't really comment. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> because, you know, uh, I think public transport does have a way to go, um, it, both in the in the way it works and the way it's run and, 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 and the cost of it. But again, that's quite a subject. I mean, yeah, but, I, I, I have spoken to, to Greater Anglia and asked them about, for example, a half hourly service from Norwich to Cambridge, but that that kind of puts a lot of agency in the hands of the Department for Transport because you're talking about Ely, you're talking about improving the situation at Trouse, and you're talking about additional rolling stock, all of which are kind of not in in our direct. When I say our, I mean the region and the counties therein, not in our direct gift, which is. You know, but Chris, can I just ask you to reflect on, on what you've heard on how we go about building that uh, alliance is a very grandiose term, but uh, that collaborative partnership, hmm. uh, you may already be well advanced in doing this, to, to, to deliver that. I think... Or seize the opportunity rather look, than look, Looking at it on a number of different levels. So, <clears throat> so I think there is a... There is, um, there's an education process of, of you know, people in Cambridge, people in Norwich, people along the corridor understanding... Um, who is outside their natural orbit. So Cambridge folk talk about the Cambridge cluster and so on and quite focused on that. People in Norwich, the, 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 the same people. How do we get and, you know, measures and steps you're taking and so on to bring people together who didn't know each other existed in a way, yet they're only half an hour away or an hour away at, at a push. Think about the scale of Silicon Valley. It's a it's a it's a longer it's a longer bus ride from one end of Silicon Valley to uh, than than it is from Cambridge to Norwich. I can tell you, a lot, mm. lot bigger. So 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 how do we bring two people together to think about uh, collaboration? So so knowing you're there and so on, I think is the first piece. I think the second thing then is is recognising the distinct things that different places can pay that play the different parts, the complementary parts, and so on. And I think the third thing is is um, going back to what Sarah is saying about uh, developing uh, developing uh, communities that people want to live in, that people want to uh, be part of. Um, you've you've made a great uh, great case for Thetford, and um, uh, and people should come and visit it, have a look, uh, and, and so on, and see it. Um, it's not. It's not very. It's, it feels a world apart from Cambridge because it is, but it, geographically, it's not very. It's not very far. So if you are, uh, uh, and equally, it's equidistant to Norwich. So uh, interestingly, we've a uh, number of consultants and so on who are either Adambrooks or the NNN and so on have choose to geographically base themselves midway so they can work in either and so on, mm. which is a growing trend and so on. So I think there's, there's something like that. On the hybrid working, I mean, I think hybrid working is really interesting for labs and for certain roles. It's clear you've got to be in the, you've got to be in the workspace, but there's a, quite a lot of roles uh, where there's an expectation to be in physically in the office one day a week, two days a week, hybrid working and so on. Um, and, 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 and we've certainly noticed in terms of, and certainly in the jobs market, a number of hires of people turn out, my team turns out somebody actually lives in Leeds, another person lives in Reading and so on. So, so I think that there's some interesting mm-hmm. things that have um, evolved around that. Um, but I think it might help to, which certainly should in, in, in our experience in Norfolk, because it is starting to, help break down that commuting every day in pattern therefore reduces the traffic inflow and so on so i think there's something that we can learn to work with so cambridge's biggest problem is it's traffic in and out in the morning isn't it actually if there was if 
hybrid working was more baked in, then 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 that helps that that commuting mm. piece. And that's only going to have to pay to drive into Cambridge soon anyway. That's going to be that's going to be interesting as well. Well, we've also got um, the Cambridge South coming online, um, which uh, is gives an, an an additional piece of access on the Norwich Cambridge route. Uh, you just obviously because Cambridge is a through station, you stay on the train, and then you're in the in and uh, in the uh, the bio, the uh, biomedical side of things, which is which is really exciting. Um, now my buzzer's just gone off in my pocket, which indicates that we've reached the half hour point. So I should probably ring the bell for a changeover. But I'm just going to whisk around very quickly and just ask for. Uh, I don't want to use the word final thoughts, but at this stage of the discussion, some thoughts, and I'm going to start with Sarah. Thank you. Um, now, I just think it's really good that these these conversations are being had. No change is going to happen unless things like this, um, we can have these conversations, we can understand what the opportunities and what the challenges are. We can't all by ourselves make these things happen. It's not all within our own individual gifts. But if we don't start coming together and having these conversations and bringing people that can do and can make a change, things are never going to be any different. So I really appreciate the chance of being able to take part in, in this. So thank you. You're very welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll go to Matt next. Yeah, no, thanks. No, Chris made a very good point. I think, you know, education, it's needed across the board, I would say, both, you know, from a, you know, looking at the different sectors, looking at where, you know, the growth is and, you know, the possibilities of this this area we're talking about. And, you know, I've moved to Breckland in the last six weeks, but I don't know Thetford really at all. So you're talking to someone who, you know, we're discussing an area, but I, and I know of it, but I don't really know its potential or its possibilities. Um, I spend most of my time commuting in and out of either London or Cambridge or, <laughs> or trying to get to Oxford. So, yeah, no, it's a very, very interesting topic and absolutely echo echo and share your thoughts. We need to come together. We need to businesses need to work with uh, with local government more. Yeah, that, that, that's really all I've got to say. I think, no, absolutely. And I, and I, and I absolutely recognise local authorities have a statutory responsibility for all of this. I think it behooves us to try and circumvent, cut them out of the loop. And 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 work around, try and work around them. Uh, they are key to the discussion, and absolutely support them in being so. That's that's why they're there, and 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 they are, you know. And I know that, and I'm going to come to Chris next, so he can he can tell us just about how uh, growth focused and, and and interested in sustainable growth that uh, Norfolk is. But some final thoughts from you, Chris, please. Yeah, so my, and my my final thoughts. I think this has been a really interesting discussion. Interesting discussion because we we're we're so often faced with problems this feels like a discussion about how we might bring some solutions so how can we uh, bring some solutions to the to the potential of cambridge its constraints um, and actually it uh, the, there are kind of opportunities i think for cambridge close to its doorstep absolutely i mean just to go back to the points about thetford i actually once i completed the walk around and i i, I recommend to you matt the audio tour of of thetford because the next day I took my daughter back to an area of Thetford called Three Nuns Bridges because of the hot weather and because uh, the water level was at that point really low and unusually really, really clean. She went paddling and there was a group of people like it was a day at the beach paddling in the water at Three Nuns Bridges. How beautiful, how wonderful. And, it, and I, I, you know, I at that point, I, you can probably hear in my voice that the, the wonders of Thetford, you know, my, my eyes were, if they weren't already, even more open to those. But Rob... Give us, give us your thoughts and expertise at this stage and then we shall, we shall rotate and, and, and bring in Paul and Anna to the discussion. 
Yeah, ju just on the point of how you work together to a common aim and objective and to try and deliver something meaningful on the ground, you know, the Oxcam arc had 30 plus authorities in a group. It's very difficult when you've got all the political colours under the sun all infighting about their own areas. And in fact, as you might have heard, Buckinghamshire County Council extracted themselves from the group. Uh, so there was a big hole in the middle. So the ARC leaders group was set up. So that's all the leaders of all those authorities. And Barry Wood at Cherwell uh, was at one end. Bridget Smith in our own backyard in South Cams was at the other. So they're working on economic and environmental strands as we speak. But as you may know, the government's watered down the duty to cooperate between authorities. And now they've set up what they call pan-regional partnerships, PRPs. And that is currently starting up across the Oxford-Cambridge corridor. So what I would suggest is that, you know, despite the, the talking shop that, that might take place, you've got to have this collaboration across the corridor. So I would say some form of regional partnership between Cambridge and Norwich is required and it takes leadership. So we need leaders, county level, uh, to actually come together and say this is we're going to make this happen and not just have a talking shop. So I'll leave it there for the moment, but there's other things I can say about that. Well, absolutely. I mean, th I think one of the reasons I started with a very close focus is knowing that that's only two local authorities involved. And maybe we, and, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's a momentum thing. And as you bring in people who want to be part of the discussion, who want to say something positive, who want to be involved, that creates its own momentum. You can't, you know, and, and you, you, I hope that, Eastern Promise goes to people and, and offers them that opportunity to to, to, to to speak, to have a say and to be be part of the discussion. As I say, we've got no power. I'm accountable to, to nobody except the people who listen. But I hope that through energy, through enthusiasm, that we, we actually can help uh, rather than, 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 than hurt the, the, the process of sustainably growing our economy, our region. And I shall leave it at there. Thank you ever so much for being part of this first roundtable. We shall return momentarily with roundtable number two. But this seems like an, app an apposite moment to invite you all to have a comfort break. And now we semi-rotate the panel and examine how Norfolk might seize this opportunity. Part two of the panel. And we still have with us Chris and Rob. And we're joined now by Paul Downing from Nettleton Business Park and Anna Aldous, again, from our very good friends at Mills and Reeve. Anna, can you reflect on what you heard in the first panel? And then we'll sort of hopefully kick that off into a wider discussion of how we make it happen. I think first and foremost, it's really exciting, uh, you know, for businesses and for people in Cambridge and in the tech corridor, because... Cambridge in particular has seen some exponential economic growth in recent times, some really exciting businesses, really innovative and really world leading. Um, and I think that is now starting to trickle out. And I think Chris made a really good point as well. It isn't the centre of the universe. Norwich has also had some really exciting um, developments over the past 10 years as well. The Norwich Research Park is again world leading. Um, so actually it's really nice listening to that first discussion and actually be really proud um, to live around here. I think the thing for me at the first discussion is that's great and it's exciting. But I think for me, Rob hit the nail on the head when he said it's all about housing now. It's about the ecosystems that sit around and support that. Our Norfolk born and bred 
And for me, coming out of my late 20s into my early 30s, affordable housing was a big issue. Where do I want to locate myself as a professional worker in this area? I split my time between Norwich, Cambridge and London. Cambridge was not a runner for me. Um, And I think, again, that is where the opportunities for growth come in that tech corridor are things like Thetford, Attleborough, those large-scale urban extensions where we're going to get the meaningful quantity of housing Mm -hmm. to support the economic growth we've seen in the main hubs. But with that does come its challenges. Um, uh, And for me, part of what I'm really passionate about is turning those spaces into places. How do we make sustainable communities in the long term? Um, And that placemaking piece, I think, is going to be a key challenge to making this really successful going forward. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. And I think it's it's, it's a bit of a boring cliche I've I've developed, but I'm going to bore you with it anyway. In that looking, we're going to try in this conversation and sort of narrow our focus a little, but looking more broadly, the the Norwich-Cambridge corridor, I've kind of come to view it as a jigsaw puzzle in that not everything will fit together every which way, but where it does fit together it can create a really beautiful picture. And I shall I shall stick with that, that uh, rather pained and strange metaphor and ask Paul, who is the director of the Snetterton Business Park, to just give us his thoughts on, on what he heard in part one. I think what I found really interesting was the conversation around the Norwich to Cambridge Tech Corridor in so much that I think that's a fantastic vision. I'd like to see it come into fruition, really. And I think we're very lucky, I'm, you know, to own... A 65 acre park situated between Attleborough and Thetford because if we talk about affordable housing and people having somewhere nice to live, Snetterton's quite well located to for, for people to live in either of those those towns. So I, I think one of the other points that was raised was Cambridge, we don't have to compete with Cambridge. We need to identify what we can do to support Cambridge and what businesses are running out of space in Cambridge where they could locate at Thetford, Snetterton or, or closer to Norwich, where we can provide um, space that's more affordable um, and we've got the land on which to develop. Yeah. So I, th- I think the, the, the vision of the Tech Corridor is really, really exciting. And I think we just need to collaborate, hold events like this where we get people talking and thinking about how we can all work together to deliver that vision. Uh, that's absolutely fantastic, and I, I absolutely agree. And Snetterton is a really exciting, and uh, you can't drive past it. I don't think without getting some sense of the huge potential that's that, that that's lying there, waiting to, to to be unleashed. Now, I want to bring in. I'm going to bring in Rob in a second, uh, but before that, I'm going to ask Chris, uh, as we did in in his recent interview with Eastern Promise, to just the tech corridors obviously be mentioned quite a lot uh, naturally. Where does the corridor sit as of as of the recording, and 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 how is that that vision being taken forward, which we absolutely wholeheartedly behind on Eastern Promise? So the vision is around realizing the potential of uh, of the corridor between Cambridge and Norwich. Cambridge's potential is there. It's more about constraint and how do you deal with the constraints. Uh, Norwich is one of the five fastest growing economies uh, consistently over the last past period so both places are growing you have a really good dual day 11 it's uh, and you also have uh, space uh, for homes and for businesses uh, and some really interesting places in in attleborough thetford uh, Mildenhall was talked earlier yeah. 
So the vision was really about how can how can Cambridge work more closely with partners to the east. Cambridge is in demand as a must-do business with location for obvious reasons. So there's how does it how does it work along the uh, the corridor into London? So the, the into in, into the the, um, the M11 A11 corridor. How does it work? It's courted by Oxford in the western direction. And then uh, through the combined authority um, collaboration, so on with Peterborough. So, so it's if you think of Cambridge as a clock face, it's got it's got it's got uh, opportunities to the north, to the south, to the west. But until we developed the uh, corridor concept, the east was uh, there be dragons. Nobody knew what um, <laughs> what lived. It may be the place you go on holiday. It may be the place you um, you know you drive drive along the A11 in order to get to Burnham Market or to get to the, the North Norfolk coast and so on. But it wasn't seen as a collaborative place where there were business opportunities, housing opportunities uh, and so on. And so the, the genesis of the corridor goes back to, back to actually back to Lord Sainsbury, who, who worked with the, uh, the two county councils, Norfolk County Council and Cambridge County Council, to say, actually, there's something interesting, particularly around agri-tech. Mm. And agri-tech was the first kind of thought behind it, that actually you've got some interesting stuff in Cambridge, but actually the agri-tech expertise, if you added Norfolk's agri-tech expertise, you've got three times yeah. uh, what you'd have by just Cambridge alone. If you think about food security and food production, the same. Um, the life sciences, there's some interesting stuff. So life sciences in Cambridge tends to be around human life yes. science. In, Nor- in Norwich, it's around plant. It's kind of everything except humans. And, you know, when some time back, the Genome Analysis Centre moved from Sanger Institute in Cambridge up to Norwich. That was kind of proof of that. Actually, you've got you start started you've, you've got two poles of uh, of a uh, of a potential corridor. And then colleagues in uh, in South Norfolk and Breckland, West Suffolk, all said, "Well, hang on, we've got this developable land. We've got these opportunities for growth and so on. How how about we we work together?" So that, that was the genesis of it. Um, I think you alluded to before that when you get lots of different political institutions, people are pulling in different directions, different timescales, and so on. So, so there's certainly there's certainly clarity of vision, but in terms of delivery, the pandemic suddenly appeared and uh, and attention's focused on that and i think we need to sort of redouble our efforts to focus back on what are the uh, what are the key things that as partners we could do together not trying to do everything not trying to boil the ocean um, and interesting uh, hearing about housing i'm interested uh, in working with Paul on how we how we develop uh, SNET and Business Park, which I think is one of a huge, huge asset in for both counties and actually for all three counties, if we include Suffolk as well as part as yes, part of absolutely. it. So, so I think you know we are we are at a state of work in progress, but events like this really show and highlight the potential. But there are some tangible things that have happened in terms of links between the NRP and Rosbird and you know with in with Cambridge and working with with a number of partners so I think there are a lot of people who are uh, who, who are now doing some of the detail to complement the the kind of original vision. I think you you mentioned the Lord Sainsbury and I was fortunate enough to interview Nick Talbot who is the director of the Sainsbury Laboratory and he made it clear to me that when it comes to plant science Norwich is is the international leader is in a class of its own. You have got the John Innes. I, I, we, 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 uh, I, I put it to him this way: 
that uh, the John Innes Centre is all about taking plant science and answering some of the key questions of our age. And the Sainsbury Laboratory is making sure that the plants stay alive and thrive to answer those key questions. And he, 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 he agreed that was a simplistic but accurate uh, overview. Rob, in terms of seizing the potential of somewhere like Snetterton Business Park, and I ask you to say this with Paul sitting very close at hand, what kind of businesses are being displaced? Is there any displacement going on in Cambridge? Businesses saying, I can't stay here, but there's so much demand for labs, we can relocate somewhere else cheaper and then make up quite a lot of money on our on our premises, converting that to lab space. Yeah. How much is that prevalent? And where can somewhere like Snetterton tap into that demand? Well, it's very prevalent because in the last, say, three, four years, the demand for laboratories is so high. In fact, our recent... Figures only came out this week. We do a half-year data analysis of our commercial floor space in Cambridge, and it was published last week. And 85% of all demand for space is labs. That's, mm. that's a lot. So those sites that are taken for labs tend to be light industrial, general industrial brownfield sites, ex-farmyards. Uh, we're seeing... Villages within three to five miles around Cambridge come forward. Uh, if you can't get in Cambridge, you want to be close to the edge of it. So also you might have heard the Grafton Centre, which is the second yes. premier shopping centre. We're putting in, we put in a planning application for labs for the whole site. Also the Beehive Centre, which is a retail centre in Cambridge, not far from the Grafton. An application's just gone in for labs on that. Yes. So there will be shops and there will be cafes at ground floor level. But above them, we're going for labs. So you can just see the demand is so great. Where do we go? So we're displacing all those light industrial units, general industrial parks, storage facilities. They've got to go somewhere else. Now, what it's interesting what the conversation's going here, because obviously, uh, if, if your listeners are really keen to get into the detail of this, Bidwell's and Perkins and Will, American Architects, produced the Tech Corridor Report, it's a 100-page report. It's got graphics, maps, data to look at all the sectors between Cambridge and Norwich. This was done for the New Anglia LEP. So it's an interesting document, and it looks at what the key strengths of this corridor is, and agri-tech, plant science, and are coming on the rails, renewable energies and uh, mm. innovation, environment matters. So we're looking at Great Yarmouth, we're looking at the Suffolk coast, North Norfolk coast, Backton. We're looking at getting the wind turbines erected on, on sites, on brownfield sites, and then getting shipped out to the world's largest wind farm. So you can see agri-tech, renewables, environmental stuff really coming forward, working with UEA and, and other academic institutions. So it's all coming together and you've got to get the right infrastructure in the right place. So what you said about homes, yeah, you've that, got yeah. to have homes right on top of jobs to reduce commuting. You want to create environments, social environments, community is the word, so that people can get out of their house and walk to work or cycle to work. You can do that, you know, if you put your mind to it. And as I say, Snetterton has got brilliant potential, bits of Attleborough as well. Um, and Thetford, you know, you've got to look at these really closely and do a master plan vision for them and just see if it works. Talk to the local players, town councils, big business in that zone, and you, you can make it work. I absolutely couldn't agree more. Anna, 
in terms of assembling something like that, reflect on that and, and where, where is, I mean, there, there'll be all the, the local authorities in the area, and I'm not obviously trying to step on their toes at all, will have plans in place for their own parts of the geography. But how is the best way we can start pulling that all together into either an overarching visions or overarching complementary visions? I think the key is communication. And it's quite interesting what Rob touched on earlier, where at the minute, politically, we're rowing back on this statutory duty to cooperate. And ironically, it seems to be happening (laughs) just at the wrong time. So I think, for me, you don't need to legislate for that. But if we are really going to drive forward uh, a world-leading vision, communication from local authorities is going to be key. When we talk about the scale of particularly residential growth needed to support these industries, you have to do it at a master developer, master planning level. The urban extension Thetford, I think we are 6,000 homes consented. Atterborough, another 4,000 homes. Five in Thetford, thank you, <laughs> Chris. At kind of level, turning those spaces into places where you foster communities, these world-leading scientists and professionals and equally the constituents we already have want to live is a real challenge. How do you make those places people want to live? Where you see large scale urban extensions elsewhere fall down is whilst infrastructure led is key, without the community shops, without the village hubs, without the heart to those communities, are we really gonna be attracting the people we need to support the economic growth we're talking in terms of jobs and industries? I was going to make a couple of couple of points. I mean, look, I I completely agree with those. I mean, look, for what the biggest challenge of bringing forward urban extensions and and uh, and development of that scale, and I think, in a sense, in Cambridge, it's no different. Is the is the upfront cost of infrastructure? Developers can be brought forward, but then you end in that absence of upfront infrastructure, but you end up making compromises. You don't get the settlement and the community that that you want so it is a national challenge it's a national challenge which um you know we would we would put out there to government to say we need better solutions we need better solutions i think certainly for some of the developments around cambridge and part of the reason why should we say the plans to quadruple cambridge size weren't universally um received as <laughs> Uh, as, as 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 a great uh, as a great a great move forward because there's there's a little bit of cynicism amongst communities about that infrastructure piece. Um, you know, we as county council are working closely with Breckland colleagues on both Attleborough and and Thetford. Breckland are the uh, are the lead. We're we're very supportive, but just the sheer amounts of money that are required to bring forward some of these things is is challenging, and that then as a consequence you then end up making compromises on the on the community piece. So so I think that's important. Um, and what I would say then going going back to the point about communities. So so for me the some of these communities we need to in, in my view if you we're talking about the village shop the village pub and so on how do we how do we encourage uh, local businesses, local entrepreneurs, and so on, to set up and be the and be the businesses in these in these new settlements and so on? Then you then you you don't then get a same town as everywhere feel. I'll give an example of um, uh, North Walsham, where the where where the district council's doing a heritage action zone within the within the town uh, within the town, and 
as part of the uh, regeneration and so on, um, a number of new independent businesses have, uh, have come and, and set up in, 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 in that particular town and so on. And I think it's that how do we how do we enable work with the local communities to um, to take the advantage of opportunities that having a new settlement, you know, their bakery, they could have another branch. How do we how do we enable them to do it rather than mm. Tesco just drop in or, or another or a big multiple and so on? How, how do we enable those? And then then you feel that you've got a distinct community with identity and uh, and somewhere you really want to live. Yeah, I think that that's really, really key, Chris. And just to feed into that funding point, I think the case in point here is the duelling of the A11 has been seismic yeah. for the region, it has, yeah. both in terms of residential development, but also for businesses yeah. like Paul's. And I think that will remain true as all these large scale urban extensions are going to be infrastructure led. And so therefore, I think maybe fostering a different approach to development is going to be key. Um, what we're looking at, one of the buzzwords around development at the minute is patient capital. Mm. So removing that need for short term profitable yes. gain and saying, Do you know what, I will invest, but I'm in it for the long term. And it's the agencies like Homes England and sure that's a podcast in itself as to some success stories and some to not but the idea where you have long-term funding where actually your goal isn't immediate profits but ultimate sustainable growth I think could actually also be really helpful to the region as well and foster some really exciting opportunities. Um, I don't want to get into the weeds of, of the relationship and I'm looking slightly at Sarah now I know the Crown Estate has been a part of the conversations around Thetford and if there's a if there's an organisation that knows about patient capital, I suppose it's it must be the Crown Estate. But Paul, hearing what you've heard, and that there's, there there are businesses being displaced from Cambridge, and I, I assume that that presents an opportunity in itself to the Snetterton Business Park. How ready, or how do you make yourself ready to rise to that? If you're, you know, I'm I say making assumptions of your preparedness, but. What do, what do you do? How does that make you feel and, and how do you react to that? Well, I think it's a really exciting opportunity. We're um, currently working on a master plan <coughs> for the whole site and that's to provide a variety of accommodation from large-scale warehouses with, um, down to hybrid units, which are a mix of office R&D space and warehousing and small-scale manufacture. Um, I think what the region does struggle with a little bit is startups. Um, we're, we've got lower than average startup levels in terms of businesses setting up, um, but we do have a lot of SMEs, and I think we need to look to encourage those, provide collaborative environments, and and create clusters really of businesses. That's my ambition was always for the park to to identify a niche and and, and then have businesses move in that support each other and create their own ecosystem and thrive because each other are. And I think. I think I'm starting to see interest and steps towards that. We're, we're not there yet. Um, we, we, we attracted Equipmake, who are uh, mm. recently floated their um, electric motor R&D business, small-scale manufacturer, and I think there's an exciting opportunity around their growth. Um, and, you know, we've attracted um, a company called Weimer, who do um, their agritech, so they call themselves cabbage polishers, but they produce <laughs> machines that... that as my, you know, my very basic understanding is they take uh, vegetables out of the field, clean them, wash them, bag them, weigh them. You know, so we are starting to see these tech R and D businesses coming onto site, 
and we've also seen a number of businesses that have started in our smallest units, which are a thousand square feet, mm. moving into two, three, four, five thousand square feet. Mm. The, the challenge for us is is doing a mixture of uh, speculative builds, which are costly, yes, and risky course. because someone could come in and go, "Well, I don't like what you built there, but can you change it?" And then the D and B stuff, um, which takes so time. Can- Design and build. Sorry, I, I, I'm sorry, crack down on TLAs. Sorry. So, I mean, we've recently done a design and build for Hitachi. We attracted Hitachi construction machinery to the site. Wow. But you've got a, a lot of people want to, they want instant gratification. They want to turn up, see a unit that's perfect for their needs, and they want to move into it because people leave it too late to look for space. They always do, and yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then end up having to compromise because it's... Um, um, yeah, it is challenging, and 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 also with with spec, how do you fund it? How do you finance it when it's when it's when it's and, and so on? And then, yeah, do you ever produce the perfect unit for somebody? It's it's it, a real. You don't have enough demand. You don't have yeah. enough demand for it to for it to be. Uh, if you had constant demand, a bit like a, in Cambridge, if you if you if you put some some labs up, they'll go. You can do those as spec, but because you're attracting sort of um, not one-offs, it's more than one-offs. It's 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 a slower slower flow. It's 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 the the mass is harder to justify. Isn't it is, it? Yeah. yeah. It's harder to, to mm. guess what what inquiry is going to come our yeah. way. You know, yeah. uh, you you think that office space. You know, everyone's saying there's you know less demand for office space. Yet we've just built under a design and build. Yeah. Uh, uh, new offices for Pandasil, who are one of the region's largest yeah, professional yeah. services businesses. So I wouldn't have necessarily thought yeah. to build that on spec. And actually, if I had, it wouldn't have met their requirements. Exactly. But the, I think, I think it, look, it's exciting. The, you know, uh, you rewind back five years ago, Snetterton was sixty-five thousand square feet of empty buildings. Yeah. We're probably touching on a hundred thousand square feet now, fully occupied. So you know, with another forty-five acres of land that's yet to be developed. So. And we're we're concentrating on building high quality space. I think that's something else the region struggles with. There's a lot of old space. Um, it's yes. not easy to to bring up to today's standards with all the energy efficiencies that people are looking for. But new space, you know, we're aiming for high energy, you know, high efficiencies and top quality space. Yeah, I've got some figures there because obviously it harks exactly what you're saying. Uh, our summer twenty three Norwich commercial data book just released on our website, basically says there is a shortage of grade A uh, accommodation and the biggest need is in the area between five and 10,000 square feet range. So my, my advice to you would be to speak to uh, Will Jones in our Norwich office, but flexibility will be the key on your site going forward because you need to be ready for demand. So basically it's buildings that are flexible for use and partitioning to be able to allow the startups to go to medium, to go to bigger. Uh, that's what happens in Cambridge uh, in particular. So, Anna, it's it's easy to sit here and, and for me to encourage you all to be excited and, and excitable and, and dream the dream, the dream, the impossible dream. How do we then take this conversation and package it and get it out there in a way that excites people to look at Snetterton, excites people saying, OK, Cambridge is, is, is getting a bit too pricey for us. But we still want to be close to that ecosystem. Oh, Snetterton Park, that looks really exciting. How do we package that? I mean, I said this with Chris out here, but how do we do that? What's the way that you do that would would interest clients of of Mills and Reeves? Well, I think first and foremost, podcasts like this go a really long way. 
Um, and I think initiatives like the LEP have been, you know, absolutely fundamental to bringing the vision to where it is to date. I think for me, the leading, you know, businesses we have in the region seem to want to and need to take it forward in facilitating those conversations. Part of what we at Mills and Reeve in particular are really passionate about is facilitating the roundtable conversations. Who are the people we know need to talk to each other? Um, and I think you don't need to legislate for that. It's ironically no. not ro- rocket science, but actually having people to spot the opportunities, to facilitate those conversations and to be proud of what we do. I think there's sometimes this inherently very, dare I say it, British sense of sensibility where we're not very good at vocalising what we do and what we've got. And I think by amplifying those conversations and giving the forums for them, you know, that's where we drive a lot of growth as well. I think that uh, when I talked to Joe Graziano of Growth EQ, which is a C-level executive search um, outfit working in Cambridge in London, and uh, he, I, I, I got, I talked to him because of a, a thing he, he did at George Cambridge Tech Week and Cambridge And, which is a kind of international front door for the Cambridge ecosystem, and he he said something that really stuck with me that was, if you approach Cambridge with an open mind, you'll be in, amazed at what you find. Uh, and I thought, wow. And and it's and people have said, oh, Cambridge is really hard to get I- I engaged in. And I, I I can't say I found it easy, but with 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 effort and with the willingness to turn up, then you you can absolutely get engaged in that. And it, it's been one of the great joys of of doing Eastern Promise. But bringing these sort of alliances together, what part can can some of that Bidwells play in that? Because we, we obviously Chris Chris is here, and Chris knows all about bringing partnerships together. He's been doing that for. A very long time. No, 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 no. Um, so how, how do we do that in a fresh way that, that gets partners interested in a way that Cambridge don't think we're trying to steal their lunch, but actually collaboration is is the, is the, the word of the moment. No, nobody wants to be competing anymore. People want to collaborate. Well, 36 years in town planning has taught me one big lesson. What you don't do is you don't go in cold. Uh, if you're going to put a big scheme in, you don't put a banger planning application, as we call it, without consultation. So the benefits and advantages is the fact that you go to the communities first and you get them engaged and you take the team with you to the villages and the settlements uh, and you put together a project team that's going to listen as well as talk about their proposals. There's a firm, I'll give them a a bit of a name check, they're called Socius. They've done some brilliant work in Cambridge. And what they do is they take their vision and then they get feedback from what the community wants and they try and build it into the scheme. So that's one way of doing it on a site-specific basis and also at master plan level. But obviously what you do need to do is have the collaboration between private sector, public sector, institutions and academia. But what you said earlier about long-term play and not making a quick profit, that can be difficult to do if you're a private developer. But we find that the pension funds, London pension funds, there's a lot in Cambridge who are spending an awful lot of money on very big projects, knowing it's going to be 30 to 40 years before they get their returns. Now, of course, that's our money. That's our pension money. They're investing in that for the long term. Not many people can do that. So the developers have to work out what they can do to get that infrastructure in early. 
And if you're going to put the infrastructure in early, that's going to go down well with the local communities. What they don't want is just to see loads of houses or loads of industrial floor space with nothing for them. So uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. That's, that's I, I think fear is 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 a huge a huge issue in in these developments, and it's 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 perhaps being able to see things like you've got people working in the Cambridge ecosystem, living and working in. Okay, let's say Thetford again. But what's that going to do for local schools? What's that going to do? in terms of raising aspiration in the town. And, and you know, if, a, if it, the overall attainment of a school goes up, then more and more people want to go to that school and more and more people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it all, it, it, it all, it all snowballs into, into a really positive picture. Can I come in there? Oh, please do. Because uh, it's in my notes. As you know, Ros Bird, who's been on a previous Ros, panel, yeah. she's been in Cambridge, she's been at Snetterton. Uh, sorry, not Snetterton. Um, Silverstone uh, Research Park. She's got that wonderful knowledge. One of her great beliefs is education, skills and apprenticeships. Mm -hmm. You see, in those communities, if you can get them at a young age and take them into higher education and then on to jobs, you've got a winning combination. It starts at that level. So it's for the long term in that respect as well. Mm. Chris, I, I, I ask this with a slight hesitancy, but in terms of... I, I hope it's not overly controversial to say, and I say this with Sarah looking at me, I, I, I once had a conversation at an event, I think it was Sink the City, where a councillor, who shall remain nameless, That's said... Sink in a good way, not... Sink, sink in a with a Y, as in synchronised, <laughs> not sink as in a torpedo, <laughs> glug, glug, all hands lost. Um, who said, well, this sort of collaboration is all very well as long as it all comes back to Norfolk. And obviously politicians are going to care about their constituents and want the best for their constituents. So how do we create for, with them... A consensual, uh, that sounds a bit, um, consensual, inclusive, positive vision that doesn't get sunk in parochialism. Is that okay, Sarah? Thumbs are coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fine. I mean, look, I think in life you have to recognise that everyone has an angle. So if you're a, if you're a bank, guess what? You want to make money. If you're a developer, you want your developments filled. If you're a local councillor, you want you want to get re-elected and so on. So, so I think you have to recognise everyone comes from a different angle. If you're Cambridge, you want Cambridge to grow. And you're not that bothered about Norfolk, to be honest, because you, you're Cambridge. And if you're Norfolk, you're the, 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 the same. So, so I think I think recognising that everyone has a has a different angle and a different input into the process I think is important and not pretending that doesn't doesn't exist but recognizing that you've got a um, a an offer or a project or a plan that can tick as many of those boxes as, as possible in, in one go so let's say Cambridge has a problem with overheating can't, can't a business in Cambridge can't find let's say let's call them AstraZeneca who came to Cambridge and thought do you know what? We haven't got homes for all our folk. Where are they all going to live? Well, actually, if you worked with Thetford on affordable housing and uh, and so on, then you've got you've you've solved Cambridge's problem. You've created an opportunity for uh, opportunity for Thetford. So you've 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 ticked several boxes in one go. What what I would say, and one of the points I wanted to make is that I think in terms of supporting Cambridge, entirely in favour of that because it provides opportunities for folk in Norfolk. Exactly. Okay. But also, we 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 mustn't allow the um, those necklace towns to become just dormitory towns because then you don't have a a proper community in Thetford if people are just 
hopping on the train in the morning, disappearing, and then coming back and so on. Thetford and, and those towns need industry and need uh, things of their own as well, which I think is important. So it's a kind of symbiotic relationship and so on. So um, um, so hopefully does that... No, I, I think I think absolutely. I mean, you, you, you want people to have the community that they feel comfortable and happy with, and you don't want to just completely say well that doesn't matter because we want to we want to help cambridge and benefit for the win-win it, it, and I, but i believe that's supremely possible and that places i mean Th thetford has that growing cultural offer with shakespeare at the priory um that that you know that's the kind of you know sports events being broadcast at the riverside on the big on a big screen that's the, exactly the kind of events we want to come see across uh, and I think Breckland's been really on the front foot in in supporting those um, cultural events to build that community. And, I, and, I, and I, I guess I always think, um, you know, people in Cambridge are deprived of football. Come to Carrow Road if you want to see a team a successful. Now, I've team. got both teams on the podcast coming up, so that's very naughty. And I and I and they both did a fantastic job. Um, so I'm making no comment. But what I'm going to do is just quickly go to Anna and Paul before I ask for a general uh, roundup and 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 what do we do for, where do we go from here with this conversation but before we do that just ask for, for anna to just to reflect on that or from kind of the the legal your legal standpoint what's what's the okay we'll, we'll, we'll jump straight to it then what's the next step what is the thing the practical thing that we can do that, that to take this conversation support those elements that are already in train and, and move forward I mean, as a typical lawyer, I'm probably going to say the solution isn't necessarily a legal one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there are things that, you know, we can do to facilitate it. I think around making sure the legal structures in terms of placemaking for communities really work in fostering those communities like Chris has touched on. So there are things like, as you well know, community interest companies, community yes. land trust, those kind of things, which will give a sense of placemaking. Um, to those communities um, and I think also Rob's point about attracting the pension funds in um, is going to be really key as well because these infrastructure-led projects do need a very specific kind of event, uh, investment to get them off the ground and get them yeah. going. So Chris just quickly and I want to come to Paul how, how would Norfolk County Council and partners go about sort of packaging that and, and attracting those? I mean, I, I'm assuming those conversations may already be joined. I don't know. But just just how, how would you like, how would Norfolk County Council like to see such a thing uh, evolve? So so we operate as a facilitator in the same way that Sarah and colleagues at Breckland do, working closely together, so and bringing different partners together and so on. So, uh, so, so for me, there's something about ensuring we have um, particularly private sector businesses who have an interest, who who see potential, we have to show them the potential, um, and for them then to, in a sense, take and make the next steps, recognizing that that does a case, does sometimes, and particularly in infrastructure homes, need there's a case for public investment to to pump prime in order to unlock the uh, the longer term private capital. Uh, so for me, it's about uh, making sure we've got identified who are the who are all the actors in this space and getting them talking, getting them collaborating, getting them cooperating and so on and um, uh, bringing them bringing them on tours to, to see Paul's site. Absolutely. So, Paul, you've got uh, a site with exciting potential. You've got a master plan coming forward. How is how are you going to sort of drive that forward and, and, and sort of market that? Well, I think um, I want to say thank you to you, Mike, for <coughs> arranging this conversation. It's um, it's 
it's made me think about a lot of things, even just in this short period of time. But what we need to do now is collaborate and really sort of take this vision and turn it into reality. And I think, you know, I obviously need to be talking to Chris. I haven't done, but I need to. Um, and I need to be engaging with more businesses and getting other people as excited as we are about this opportunity. And you're just just remind remind me, Paul, of your your uh, Snetterton Business Park website, uh, SnettertonPark.co.uk. Oh right, go on, make that. <laughs> so for anyone listening who thinks I want to be part of this conversation, I have something really positive to, to contribute, or you want to be in t- put in touch with anybody you've heard on the panel today. Mike at easternpromise.site, S-I-T-E. That's Mike at easternpromise.site, or you can go to easternpromise.org.uk, follow the link to contact, and bang me an email that way. Rob, this has been an extremely exciting and interesting discussion, I think, and I am really excited about this being just the first two of hopefully more roundtables that people can take part of. What would you like us to do going forward? What is the next step that one this podcast can take and, and and people listening who want to be involved well a lot of great work was undertaken by the lep and we know that the future of the leps are, are very much um in doubt with the, with the government movements uh planning legislation is very weak at the moment it's very localist uh view there's no strategic planning of any note there might be a new government coming soon uh there's a couple of things i wanted to mention branding and vision we did branding of the ARC, as we called it then, the Oxford Cambridge ARC. So for international investors, they need to see what it's all about. What does it mean? What does the corridor actually mean? What does it say? Because people won't know what it is. It's a concept. So you have to brand it. You have to get branding to say, this is the piece we're looking at. And at more local level, Breckland, as it were, from a regional level down to a local level, you've got the local plan. You've got the economic officers here Uh, so you need to look at it at all levels you need to get people together as i say national planning legislation is weak about collaboration across authorities but you don't worry about that you need to crack on with it anyway and there is a way of doing those partnerships but you've got to have government at central level being interested as well so you've got to go to central government to get some funding Mm. you know to for infrastructure Uh, but working with private sector, developers um, and institutions and academia. I think you've got to bring them all together regularly at workshops just to get the thing moving and understand what it is you're trying to do. Yeah, I can't do better than that. I'm going to I'm not going to sit here and, and splutter and stutter. Anna. I think it's about amplifying what's already here and contributing to that conversation around branding that that Rob's alluded to. You know, we have got some world leading businesses, startups already in Cambridge and Norwich. And I think the professional services that are also here have got a role to play in bringing that all together. Chris, draw to a close this first chapter, or first yeah, two so chapters I, in look, the, in I've, the story. Look, I found this a really, um, uh, really stimulating discussion. Uh, I'm heartened by continued appetite uh, and belief in the, uh, in the tech corridor concept particularly from from private sector colleagues. So, you know, as the public sector, we're there to support, enable, and where there's a will, there's a way. My thanks to Matthew Samways, Paul Downing, Anna Aldous, Councillor Sarah Suggett, Rob Hopwood and Chris Starkey for those enjoyable, absorbing and encouraging discussions. This is a subject to which Eastern Promise will return. If you're in the Cambridge area or in this piece of Norfolk, 
you like what you've heard and you want to get involved in future discussions, audio tours or, or workshops, then do reach out via LinkedIn. My name's Mike Rigby and my DMs are open via the contact function at easternpromise.org.uk or by emailing me at mike at easternpromise.site. Now, here at Eastern Promise, we don't fatten the pig on market day, lest the bottom drops out of it. So let's see who's in the market for markets in another crowd-pleasing... Crowd Sorcery. Yes, Crowd Sorcery. Arguably, Norwich Market is the most famous market in our region with its wide variety of stalls and the colourful roofs of the permanent kiosks, stretching from City Hall and St Peter Street to Gentleman's Walk. But that's not the only market the region has to offer. Oh, no! Tom Abbott of Green Easy and Abbott Feudali Investments offers a suggestion to which you may want to return in a month or two. The Christmas market in Bury St Edmunds is always wonderful, says Tom. Burnham Market has one also. Do you know, I do wonder if you should still be able to use the suffix market if you don't actually have one, Tom. And so I'm glad that Burnham Market does. Your move, Pollen Market. Tom would also like to know a good farmer's market out there that provides sustainability in produce and organic certification. There you go, crowd sorcerers. The challenge has been issued. Next, we welcome Sophie Skip, Head of Energy Skills at Eager, the East of England Energy Group, to the magic circle of crowd sorcerers. And she wants to sing the praises of Norwich's premier street market. She says, Of course! Norwich Market is a great example. I love the mix of shoe repair, fruit and veg, all mixed with mushy peas and Donbury bowls. Not that Sophie is averse to looking further afield, and like Tom Abbott, she's fond of the market at Berry which Sophie says has that traditional feel that keeps a town centre thriving. Adding, I stumbled across the Holt Market two weeks ago and did have a little impulse purchase. Personally, I can't wait to see what the new facilities for Great Yarmouth's Market will deliver for the sense of civic identity. So important, Sophie. So important. But Norwich is still top of the shops when it comes to one particular purchase, says Sophie. Is there, she asks, a better place to buy a portion of chips. A few years ago, I was made redundant, and following a very positive meeting with Rebecca Heaton at R13 Recruitment, treated myself to the first of many portions of chips on Norwich Market. Sitting in the sunshine, looking over the striped canopies, I felt so much better about the future. <laughs> well, a key actor in that anecdote, Rebecca Heaton, director and co-founder at R13 Recruitment adds more to the tale. That's a lovely memory, Sophie Skip, she says. Norwich Market has levelled up! I think that's how the kids say it. It's a mega food and drink hub, and you can also find some absolute treasures on there. And looking forward to hearing more about the progress of Great Yarmouth Market. Do you know, I do feel we are intruding on a treasured memory here. When Sophie concludes, Rebecca, the bodega sandwiches were so fat, 
I got mayo on top of my big glasses. Ha 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 ha! Responds Rebecca. They are epic. Thana Assad, meanwhile, digital marketing, translation, and skills training specialist based in the Cambridge area, adds to the stripy roofed lovin. I've been to Norwich Market and I really liked it, she says. Do you know, that's the bit I love, when we share what we love about other parts of our region. Lastly, we have Adam Peed, business development strategist for Anuti and the brains behind the connected project at adampeed.com. Adam says, The evolution of the food on Norwich Market is incredible, especially brick pizza. I do miss the 30p mug of tea we used to get in my student days, though. I lived in Ely for a few years, and the different markets are excellent. No argument here, Adam. And with that, it's time to pull down the shutters on episode 76 of the Eastern Promise podcast. Next week, to quote Matt Damon in The Martian, we'll be sciencing the shit out of the east of England with a visit to the Quadrum Institute. I don't think they've tried to grow poo potatoes, potatoes, if you will, at the QI, but it's surely just a matter of time. I'll be chatting to the newly and rightly begonged Professor Ian Charles OBE and walking around the Quadrum Institute in sound along with our guide, Andrew Stronach, and a special guest, Dr Tammy Dugan, Life Science and Healthcare Partnerships Lead for the University of Cambridge. Tammy, an immunologist by training, could not be a better person, generally, but also to share her expert view on one of the most exciting and fascinating scientific and healthcare institutions in the east of England, if not the UK, if not Europe, both today and tomorrow. Spoiler alert! She rather likes it. That's all coming next week on episode 77 of the greatest podcast on the east of England, hosted by a lapsed ginger mancunian that's lapsed on both fronts. It only remains for me to repeat both my thanks to the panel, to Breckland Council, our hosts, and to repeat my call for anyone who wants to be part of this positive conversation going forward to get in touch. Thank you to all my crowdsourcers and to our sponsors, the truly wonderful folk at Mills and Reeve. It's an honour, people. Thank you to Engineer 49, Darth Fader himself, whose deep knowledge of the Force brought to you this week's amazing panels on the A11 corridor. And to you. Thank you for joining me, and I hope to have your company again next week. Until then, bye for now! The Eastern Promise Podcast is a Priors Croft production for the Eastern Promise Community Interest Company and was brought to you in association with Mills and Reeve. Achieving more together. You can contact Eastern Promise and find out more about what we do by visiting our website, easternpromise.org.uk.